Let's go, Buffalo! Welcome to another episode of the Red, White and Buffalo Blues, a UK Bills podcast. Bills news with a UK twist. I am Matt. This is Alex. Hello. Alex, uh, how you been? Oh, I'm good. Great. I just got back from Buffalo. Uh, a friend of ours got married, so I am now sitting in my 14-day quarantine. I think it's day three or four. Maybe it's day 12. I don't know. I'm losing my mind. I think I've literally <laughs> pulled all of my hair out. So, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this. And, you know, the crazy thing is, in like three weeks, my brother gets married, so I'm going back to Buffalo. Was really looking forward to seeing a Bills game while I was there. His mar- his wedding's on a Friday. I was going to go to the Bills game on Sunday, but they announced that there won't be any uh, fans for the first two home games. So that kind of uh, sucks. Uh, I mean, no, I'm, sorry, Evan, Evan listens to this. Um, I can't wait for your wedding. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, just, you know. In parentheses, darn it! I wish I was going to a Bills game. So you better quickly get onto the um, the airline and actually uh, make sure that cancelled ticket doesn't uh, doesn't get cancelled. Then. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's. I'm. Pr- I'm pretty sure he's just going to remove me from the wedding party, and I'm not going to get an invite at all now. <laughs> oh dear, families, you gotta love them. <laughs> uh, but on on this episode, to say we're uh, we're UK Bills, we're talking all things Buffalo Bills. We have Matt Perino on the um, on the show talking about training camp. But before we go into that, talk a little bit about that. Just want to quickly, most of you are probably up to date, but want to keep you up to date anyway. With a bit of transactions that happened in the last um, last few days um, on Justin Zimmer and Tanzel Smart, a couple of defensive linemen that actually come in to add depth. Uh, Friday, they've signed uh, cornerback Brian Allen, formerly of Seattle and Pittsburgh. And probably the biggest news on there would be the release of Hauschka and uh, not such a uh, surprise, a release of uh, Lachlan Edmund, Edwards, sorry, um, leaving Tyler Bass, the rookie, sixth round pick, uh, as our team's, um, team's kicker going forward. Great, let's make that all the kicker talk that we do for the rest of the season. Oh, you, you know you loved a kicker talk. <laughs> I really wanted a, uh, a punt-a-palooza uh, as, uh, what was it, is it Joe Biscalia? Was it Joe Biscalia that said that? Or someone, someone said it. Um, <laughs> chat, I really wanted that in special teams, but you're probably dancing a merry jig right now, aren't you? Yeah, there's 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 literally no part of me that wants to do research on punters or kickers anymore. Um, I mean, I don't. Kick, kicker is more important. It absolutely is, especially since they moved the extra point back. Uh, it's important to get a guy who's accurate. And Hauschka missed one in training camp the other day, so I think that's what locked Bass in. We talk about that with Matt Perino going uh, in, in the interview. Yeah. So, as I say, we've had Matt. We had Matt Perino on the show in. He was actually, um, it's a, we always have great interviews with him. Obviously, this year we're talking about training camp in a completely different environment to previous years where fans can go in, reporters can go anywhere, news crews can go um, anywhere and record anything. But now, in this COVID, um, COVID period, uh, everything's changed and we get great insight from from Matt on what's that what that is like and also 
what um, what is to come and who's looking good and all that from training camp. Yeah, I mean, I feel really caught up and uh, I feel like I really have my finger on the pulse of what this team is doing. Um, you know, he eliminated a lot of fears and doubts about team chemistry because of the COVID situation. Uh, we're talking about how uh, Allen and Diggs are connecting. We're talking about how the rookies are integrating. Um, pretty much every doubt that I had about this team not gelling because of the COVID hold, uh, you know, setbacks. Uh, Matt is talking about how, you know, everything kind of just fits together. So uh, yeah. before I explain everything that we talk about, <laughs> let's uh, let's take you to the interview. Yes. Yeah, so uh, sit back and enjoy as we uh we speak to Matt Perino on uh, the training camp. Enjoy. And we are joined on the Red, White and Buffalo Blues by Matt Perino. Matt, thank you very much for uh, for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, first of all, obviously, training camp is um, is very interesting this year. I just want to know, obviously, from your point of view, um, how different is it from... Obviously, when you get the when you get the crowds in, when they're at um, Saint, um, when they're in obviously in Rochester. Yeah, it's a little bit different, just from the sense of where we're allowed to go. Um, usually, during you know a training camp in Fisher, and even when training camp shifts back to Buffalo, we're able to kind of go anywhere we want on the perimeter of of the fields, and so we can kind of pick our vantage points. Now we're there's two fields at the complex and. And we're kind of along the back, the, the closest end zones to the parking lot. And we can only go up and down that um, that area. And that's for the pool reporters. For yeah. the, you know, the rest of the media, they're only allowed to go, you know, like a designated area in the middle of the two fields. And really, yeah. they don't have a, as much ability to move around. So it's just it's just tough from that perspective. And obviously, without fans, the, the team has been able to, and, and multiple teams around the league, taking advantage of the ability to kind of crack down on what's allowed to be reported. So it makes mm -hmm. our job a little bit more difficult and you don't think too much about it because we are so used to discussing all this stuff. But like I've noticed a few times that I've had to really catch myself before yeah. referencing something that I'm not allowed to reference. And it's just, so from that perspective, it's just been, it's been really difficult. I'm as much as I wanted training camp to be here because this is a year with as good as this roster is, you know, I wanted to dive into these battles and really, you know, but not being able to talk about it, I, I'm almost kind of looking forward to the 53-man being set and us you know, moving on to the season. Yeah. So no, you're I mean, saying you might not be able to answer any of our questions today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think I can answer some. And I think that, you know, we've kind of obviously, it's been kind of a learning process. And I think we've, yeah. we've learned some things. And the Bills have posted some things. I mean, you know, right. they post they posted a video the other day that I tweeted about, and um, it clearly shows who was playing right guard and right tackle. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you got to just look for your little nuggets where you can find them, and uh, exactly. I can talk about who I think has been playing well. Yeah. Okay. I mean, obviously, the first the first question we're going to um, – well, I want to ask is obviously um, – the fan, the fan favorite home in the um, in the UK and friend of the show and the guy who does our um, does our intro, um, Christian Wade. Obviously, obviously being a little bit further down, obviously with Singletary and um, Moss getting the majority of them. What has Wade actually shown in there, and does he have a route to it, or is it going to be another international practice squad um, slot for him? You know, I 
I don't ever want to be a bummer, you know, but uh, unfortunately he just hasn't gotten the opportunity this, this camp. I mean, we, first of all, before he got injured about a week ago and he, so he's been out when they had the scrimmage on Thursday, he wasn't available. He's got a quad that he's dealing with. Um, so that never helps, but he, um, he's behind not only the two guys you mentioned, but TJ Eldon, who, uh, I think by all accounts within the organization, He's a dependable veteran that can do a little bit of everything. And the, the thing that's really tough for Christian is even if somehow he be, he he found carved out um, a spot on, on a special teams unit for himself, even if he did that, he still has to make sure that if he's called upon to be a running back, that he can do execute all of the things. How is his ball control? Like We haven't seen yeah. it a, 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 in, a, in a bigger sample size. Can he pass protect? That's an area that Zach Moss has already been kind of applauded by Sean McDermott already this camp for his ability to uh, that he's shown in training camp to to be able to block. And that's a huge deal. And that's one of the reasons I think that Devin Singletary wasn't featured more early on last year because it took him a little while to get comfortable in that aspect of things. And for Christian, as good as he has been considering he's only started learning the game 18 months ago, it's still a lot to expect. And I think that because you have those two years to kind of keep him in your program without it affecting the team and kind of have him learn. The more time he gets to learn the game, the be- before he has to be thrown to the wolves, if you will, I think is mm. better. So, yeah, I think you're looking at another year of the path or uh, the exempt spot on the practice squad. And I think that's a good yeah. thing. And, you know, I think next year, I can't wait for camp next year, you know, in a way, because I think that that's when the, the Christian Wade watch really be- begins. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't helped um Obviously, with with COVID and all that, that they haven't really got the preseason games um, or anything like that. That actually can have a little bit more uh, game game practice rather than just um, obviously training camp and and run the drills. Say that, that again. Sorry, you broke up there. <laughs> it's um, it's it's a shame that with COVID and all that, that he actually um, he hasn't had or can't get into that game situation where he's actually in a live game rather than a scrimmage or just training camp um, for sure. itself. Yeah, for sure. This whole situation is has been costly for a lot of those depth guys. I mean, even looking at a guy like Nick Easley, who I think the Bills really, really like, and a guy that they probably even think has the potential to replace Cole Beasley long-term. I mean, that's the high end of expectations, of course. Um, super quick, great route runner, gets separation. And just for a guy like that, you had to shrink the rosters from 90 to 80. And he was obviously a casualty because of that. And then you don't have a practice or preseason games to evaluate a lot of these guys. So, you know, guys like Bashan Joseph, who is coming off of a year where he was injured, a former fifth round pick to not have those games to be able to really dive into how far he's come. You know, it's tough. And they already have tape on Corey Thompson. Like, if they need yeah. a re- reliable backup linebacker, they already know what they'll get out of him. So it's tougher for guys like Vashawn Joseph, Tyrell Dotson, all these guys, these undrafted or, you know, guys that even like draft picks, like Dane Jackson, um, who I think is going to benefit from the fact that Josh Norman looks like he's going to be out a bit. Um, mm. But I, I, you're, to your point, yeah, it's just a bummer that they're going to miss out on those opportunities to evaluate these guys. Yeah. Well, that really leads us into our next point uh, perfectly. Um, okay. 
So we're we're talking about the challenges this offseason. Um so talking about the new guys like Diggs and the rookies, um, how are they acclimating compared to what could be an oppor- what could be compared to a real a normal offseason? I mean, is there any reason to worry about chemistry not fully being built? You know, I don't anticipate that just because of, you know, the culture that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and you know all the throughout his coaching staff has really cultivated here. Like mm-hmm. when guys get in this room, like they're 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 immediately embraced. It's it's really amazing to see. I mean, I think we just saw, and it's tougher this year for me to see that because I'm not in the locker room. But yeah, you know, you saw that video. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Of I think it was Josh Allen who posted a little, or somebody posted a little video of Stephon Diggs and Isaiah McKenzie going at it just talking yeah. about video games or something and those kinds of things like you got to be comfortable to to be able to do that and you know we've seen Stefan Diggs pretty animated on the practice field um he seems comfortable like they just do a really great job and Sean has talked about it year after year of onboarding uh their their their, their new players and and relying on their you know player driven leadership that's the cliche that Sean always talks about but it's true like you know, these guys, the guys in the locker room that he entrusts to be the leaders and be the guys that kind of spread his message, they get guys on on board and up to speed pretty quickly. And I think that the biggest question I have is the on-field dynamic between Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. Is that going to be where it needs to be for them to be successful early on? All indications yeah. from last Tuesday were that everything is going swimmingly to this point. I mean, Stephon Diggs, I think, was targeted 10 times and he had nine catches. And, you know, it, again, it's practice. It's against your own defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's significant to me. Like, I, I think that that's something that that's a confidence builder that I, I think that for a lot of teams around the league that have new pieces, you know, this is an offense that's mostly intact and all the all that they're adding, you know, is potentially a new stopgap right guard, whatever that ends up being to, to replace Feliciano and one of the best wide receivers in the game. And you don't become one of the best wide receivers in the game if you can't uh, produce in certain in different situations. We've seen Stephon Diggs produce with different quarterbacks, with different systems in Minnesota. So I anticipate it's going to be more of the same. And I, I think that they studied what Stephon Diggs does well and how that can lead to success for Josh Allen. And so yeah. my anticipation, until it's proven wrong, is that that is going to be a match made in heaven and, and Diggs is going to be, do big things for this offense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, I've been, I read somewhere a while back that both um, Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodges um, have actually really been into that uh, playbook, and they've actually been teaching. Um, they've acclimatized well to that, and obviously, we can see with um, with Gabriel Davis himself how the way he's actually um, he's performed in training camp, and they've even been taking in helping the uh, the veterans actually a little bit more. I'm sure if I read that correctly about a few weeks, um, a few weeks back. So to me, it's showing that really, that they're really liking what they've actually got, what we've got at wide receiver and how obviously how the team unity really has, has shone through, through this um, whole difficult, um, difficult situation we're in in the world. Yeah. And and speaking of a difficult situation, you know, looking ahead at next year's salary cap, potentially Mm. dropping by 20 million. I mean, there's, that's, that puts Brandon Bean in a really, you know, tough spot as he tries to, you know, re-sign a guy like Matt Milano, who's probably going to cost upwards of $13 million a season. 
you know, yeah, he's going to have some some work to do. And you got to start looking around the roster and like, where can you start to save money? And Gabriel Davis could be the key to, you know, maybe moving on from John Brown, you know, who's going to be 32, I believe, next year. And listen, this offense might just absolutely explode. And Diggs Brown might be one of the most, you know, feared com- receiving combos in the league. Then you're in a situation where you don't have that option, you know, to move on from a John Brown who's who becomes that important to your offense. And I, he's already important to your offense. But in trying times, you have to start figuring out, you know, can we can we get by with a younger player who's on a much more advantageous salary? Um, those are the questions you'll have to start to ask yourself. Because with Diggs, Beasley, and Brown, I'm pretty sure they got close to $40 million, you know, mm. in, in salary next year just with the three of them. That's a big yeah. chunk of that's a big chunk of the pot. So it'll be interesting to see like how they manage all that um, in, in these tough times. But Gabriel Davis, you know, I think one thing I will say, Sean McDermott joked, like he thinks that John Brown was just being a little uh, complimentary of Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins. He's not sure if, if that's necessarily the case where they're actually teaching some of the veterans. But, you know, I think what you can say is, they both have really studied up and yeah. taken full v- advantage of the virtual offseason to get themselves in a position to be ready to go. Like we've, How many times have you seen or read about rookie wide receivers that come in and have stars in their eyes and, and you know, trying to figure things out at a super fast pace like Dawson Knox? He talked about how last year he didn't even really know what he was doing until you know, the later part of the season, and that's, that's true for a lot of the guys. Gabriel Davis, there doesn't seem like a moment on the practice field where he doesn't have an idea of what he's supposed to be doing, where he's supposed to be going. And that's 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 just a big part of the battle of getting these guys ready to play. And so I think Gabriel Davis could be a part of this offense. I think he could get meaningful snaps in 2020. And he's mm-hmm. also insurance that if anybody gets dinged up, you know, you don't have to worry about it because you could just plug him in pretty much anywhere. Exactly. So, I'm well, obviously, we saw from the scrimmage um, last week that obviously everyone's reporting that of Josh Allen's actually finally threw over 300 yards. Okay, some people are saying yes yeah, against the second team um, <laughs> defense and all that. But is there anything new from training camp and all that from Josh Allen to show that he could be um, he could now become a better a better statistical par- passer to silence the doubters? Because I saw that. One throw to Andre Reed, Andre Reed, Andre Holmes. Um, they actually just threaded it right through the needle in coverage. Yeah, so you were wrong on both accounts. There it was Andre Roberts. Yeah, you you were going to receivers pass there, sir. <laughs> um, you were going down the gamut of Andres. No, it was a it was a really good throw. I thought from the scrimmage, Josh was he was just pretty um, dialed in and and you know effective. You know what I mean? Not every throw was beautiful. Not every throw was like, you know, you know, throwing guys open and you know hitting the mark. And you know, there's a few few calls where or few balls where I noted that Cole Beasley had to, you know, react and adjust. And so, yeah, I think all of that is good. But you know, we have to see it in the games. And yeah, know, there was there were big chunks of of time last year where I thought that my biggest complaint about Josh was that. He would just go away for for periods of time where I felt like, you know, the the offense almost like fell dormant. And, and, you know, there was a lot of three and outs and 
inconsistent plays and you know he needs to just be more whatever the whatever it is that let led to that he needs to be more focused he needs to be more dialed in and he needs to make sure that this offense is on schedule and moving yeah. the ball consistently and i think that'll help the defense too and i also think that the offense is going to be helped by you know better field position i think that this defense is even better than it was a year ago probably more mm. turnovers i expect that to be the case whenever you improve your pass rush which I think that this team is going to be a better pass rushing team as a whole. Yeah. That that usually leads to more turnovers. So, yeah, I think Josh has been good so far. Nothing nothing spectacular, but nothing bad, really. A couple bad throws, but here or there. But, you know, that's to be expected, considering this is the first time these guys are all getting together and, and playing yeah. in these last three weeks since Houston. So Exactly. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's... Carolax. Okay. Uh, well, I was just going to say, like, because in connection to Josh Allen, his success is so strongly tied to the offensive line, and that was a major area of focus last year. Um, I think that most people graded them out as middle of the pack, low middle of the pack. Um, if their performance stays the the same because there wasn't any real big changes, um, can this offense take the next step? Um, yeah, I think that you can. Um I think that they were they were st- strong last year, but I also think that one of the reasons that maybe they where they struggled at times was just the fact that you know four new starters on a unit uh, of yeah. five, you know, is usually going to take some time for you guys to build some chemistry and uh, and know like offensive line. If you talk to coaching staff, um, and, you know, on the, on the O line, wherever wherever you're at, they talk a lot about like you know, how it's important that, you know, five guys, all five guys determine, you know, the success from play to play more so than any yep. other position group. So exactly. I think from that perspective, not adding somebody just might be like thinking, or, you know, they added Daryl Williams, who I think is a significant ad, by the way. Like, I don't think he gets enough credit, you know, or Brandon doesn't get enough credit for that signing. This is a former all pro that if he can kind yeah. of, find his form again and we saw last year like Trent Murphy is a guy that's gotten a lot of flack in the, by this fan base and even in the media and when the Houston game came and they were going up against one of the most potent offenses in the league Trent Murphy showed up I mean he was a terror on, on that day and this is a guy that took a long time to rebuild uh, after a catastrophic injury and it, and it looked like he wasn't the same I think Daryl Williams almost fit, fits into that category now he's two years removed from the leg issues and you know, he played all right last year, not great, but they also, Carolina also moved him all over the place. I mean, he played left guard, left tackle, right guard, right tackle. That's a lot of work and a lot of, I mean, listen, you want position flexibility. Brian Dable talked about it on Friday. Like, that's why they're still working out all these offensive line combos on the, on the right side. But yeah, that's craziness. Four positions for a guy that has all pro um, chops on his resume from 2017. Exactly. And I think that they see, they see him more of a right side kind of guy. I think that's where his best football has been. And so whether it be, you know, I can't give away any uh, where he's <laughs> playing, but either of those spots, whatever, wherever he ends up playing. Exactly. I think he can considerably be, be an upgrade over, you know, whoever that is the case. Maybe Cody Ford from last year, right tackle. I still think Ty Seki, man, like every time I see him out there, he's still playing really well. So I think it's going to be hard to keep him on the, on the bench. And I always think that the cool thing about Inseki is because of his age and his, his struggle to stay healthy, you can always platoon him 
and just take advantage of, you know, if it's 30 snaps, 40 snaps, 60 snaps, whatever it ends up being on a given day, he gives you good, good snaps. So I think the continuity there, understanding like what we have and how to work with the rotation that we have. And so another year, if it ends up being Cody Ford and, and Ty at right tackle again, you know, they went yeah. through that last year. They're going to be much more comfortable in that scenario this year. So, you know, we'll see. There's still all these different, you know, who's been really good on the old line, Brian Bates, man. Nobody, I, no, people don't talk enough about that guy. I mean, I yeah. think he's an absolute lock to make the roster. He's got so much really? flexibility. He can he can play center. He can play both tackle spots. He can probably play some guard if he needs to. Um, he's really good, and so they have they have a they have some real um, you know, good depth on the old line. I think that's what allowed them to move on from Spencer Long, who obviously was contemplating retirement as he only lasted a couple of days at San Francisco before calling it a career. <laughs> yeah. um, they got some nice pieces. And this Evan Bain is another guy who's looked really strong and dependable as a guy that's got some position flex as well. So. Um, mm-hmm. it's the, I think the offensive line is going to be better this year, even without any dramatic, big, high marquee money additions. Um, but yeah, if they're better, that that could mean better things for Josh Allen and his offense. Exactly, and you've also got it's also good that they've locked now with um, Deion Dawkins's contract um, extension. They've locked down that left side for at least the next um, next two three years or so. So it's now them just. Uh, Bean and McDermott just working on that right side, find that right combination um, for at least two years of potentially um, really good, um, solid O-line work. For sure, for sure. And really, you, you mentioned the, the left side and, and the center. They, that might be the most important position, and they got yeah. that lined up for the next three years. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the cool thing about the guys that they target, and we saw it with Feliciano last year, they have a uh, you know, a guy in Bobby Johnson who coaches the O-line that really does a good job of scouting, you know, the league and finding out people that can come in and, and kind of fit the kind of versatile roles that they, they kind of covet. And so yeah. it could also be a situation where they keep kind of just, you know, going out there every year and finding a Feliciano in a Spain one year and then a, a Williams and a Bame the next year. And they go out next year and find other guys and keep going until you find that perfect <laughs> combination. But I'd also like to see... You know, the Bills didn't draft any offensive linemen this year. And it's actually probably a good thing because this is a year where I think that a lot of offensive linemen, rookie linemen are going to struggle because of the lack of the, you know, um, spring workout program. Like missing rookie minicamp and OTAs, that's just absolute, like, bedlam for, for rookies, and especially on the lines. So I think that, you know, I'll be interested to see, you know, depending on where they draft next year, if they don't go and take another swing at a, at a tackle, um, if they if they think the long-term future for Cody Ford is at right guard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we talk about the depth on the O-line. Uh, another big point uh, of focus at training camp is the depth at wide receiver. Um, and I think that the new practice squad rules uh, play a role in who we keep and who we don't. Uh, First, just in case anybody doesn't isn't fresh on the practice squad rules, can you briefly explain the changes? Yeah, so the practice squad's going from 10 players to 16 players. And what a cool little caveat that was added after the new collective bargaining agreement was finished in March was that this year, moving forward, teams were going to get two practice squad spots that have no restrictions 
on how many years a guy's been in the league or how many games he's played. So you can you can legitimately say, say, Jerry Hughes, you could cut him. And if, he, if nobody signs him, you can put him on your practice squad because there's no yeah. in one of those two spots. Well, what they did with COVID is they added four more of those spots. So now 16 players, six of those players have no restrictions. So that really opens things up to um, a, a host of different type of players and, and options. I mean, you look at the backup quarterback's position. If, if Jake Fromm's a guy that you have enough confidence in based on this training camp, and you know, I don't think Jake's been great, to be honest with you. I think he's been just fine and nothing's really stood out. But say that they, they do believe in him and they think they want him to be the backup. Well, you can maybe cut Matt Barkley and and have a kind of an agreement with him that he comes back on your practice squad and, and becomes available to you if, if you need him um, because there's no restriction. So, uh, And then week to week, how it works is you get down to 53 players on Saturday, so in six days. Then game week, everybody is, after a game, everybody is eligible on your practice squad to be signed um, until Tuesday at 4 o'clock. And that's when uh, rosters are kind of protected or, or uh, those four spots that are protected. So teams. So if you say you have Duke Williams that ends up landing on your practice squad and you really want to protect him and nobody signs him after he's cut uh, to get down to 53, you can then protect him every week um, in hopes to, uh, of locking him up if you want to, like, you know, protect against injuries. But the thing about that is, is that, once you get to the game and you play the game, then play all players are free and you get a day there each week where you can sign anybody you want off the practice squad. So yeah. it's going to be tough to navigate that. I mean, Brandon talked about the difficulty of, of in this year, like signing guys off of practice squad just because of the requirements to get them in your building and up to like how, are you going to be able to get them in, in the environment quick enough to have them impact things before um you know a game on a sunday it's tough to say so uh, i think that you know the biggest takeaways are that they're just expanded and you just have a lot more room to work with here uh pasture 53 and they can easily come up and play a game and go back down right so like i'm thinking with that um we might keep robert foster and duke williams two fan favorites possibly all year because i think a lot of the conversation was at wide receiver who will they cut maybe no one um so no they'll cut i mean we'll we'll cut but yeah but go to the practice squad right okay right 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 yeah i definitely think that they'd be willing to bring back you know isaiah mckenzie duke williams Mm -hmm. uh robert foster all three of those guys if they cut them and nobody signs them, of course. Like, I think they'll all land back on the practice squad. Um, but it's just interesting, like, and also another little addition. So game day rosters have been increased from 53 to 55. So you have yeah. to carry a 53 active all year. But on game day, you have the ability to call up two additional players um, week to week off your practice squad. So if somebody's doing really good in camp or in, uh, in practice, and, like, you go to last year when they call up Duke Williams before the Tennessee game. Well, they could do that this year without having to cut anybody. Uh, you have two spots you can do that for each week, and then you have to return. So you could call up two players. It could be any two players. And then you can return any two players. So if you call up Duke Williams and you and he has a great game and you don't want to put him back on the practice squad and chance him, him getting scooped up on that Monday by another team, 
you can keep him and send down uh, Isaiah Hodgins, let's just say, you know what I mean? Or whoever, whatever yeah. that the roster looks like at that point. Um, but you got to remember that you have to have a minimum of, I believe it's eight offensive linemen. And if you don't have that, then one of the two call-ups has to be an offensive lineman. So I don't think the Bills will struggle with that. They, they kept 10 on their active roster all year last year, and I anticipate a minimum of nine this year. Um, I think that, you know, if you just say, unless Feliciano goes on some type of injury list to start the season, but he's eyeing that Oakland game, so or the Las Vegas Raiders game. So I think they probably carry him on the roster too. Yeah. I mean, one question, one question I really want to um... – to ask it's, it's probably the most important one uh for me or probably one of the two the most important to me obviously was obviously what happened recently obviously with the with the kickers obviously bass must have probably had an obviously outstanding um training camp for them to cut Hauschka and also the fullback situation i mean obviously gillam's actually really come and shone a little bit is there any is there any inkling that he might demarco might be on the um on the roster bubble um, so I'll do the kickers first. Um, I think that Bass has been really good. Um, he's had some misses. He missed a 55 yarder the other day. Um, but his, his, his leg power is just unbelievable. And so I think what they did was they brought him to camp, seen, kind of wanted to get a look at Steve Hoshka's, you know, long ball, if you will, because that's an area that he struggled with the last few years and last year, especially. Sean McDermott couldn't even send him out there for a 54-yarder because they were worried about his leg strength. And, you know, the one day he missed three straight 50-yarders. And then Thursday, I I don't know if it was the final straw, but he missed an extra point. So I think that once they get an idea that, you know, they loved Bass. They loved Farwell raved about him going back to the combine um, and his pro day. So I think that it was, hey, let's get him in the building. Let's give him a couple pressure kicks, see how he does. And he held up. And I think that Hauschka is a guy that, you know, it was a tough call for them. They love the guy. I mean, he's he's got a he's he's a veteran presence. He's a a leader. He's a, a guy that has made big kicks and big playoff games. But you just gotta, you know, you got a tough decision to make. You draft a rookie, and not to mention we mentioned the salary cap last year. The Bills are going to yeah. add close to five million dollars to their to their cap over the next two years now without with Hauschka off the books. So that's mm. that's huge. That's huge. Uh, as you try to kind of, you know, earmark some money for some of these these moves that you have to make. So, uh, in terms of Gilliam and Demarco, I'm the longer Demarco stays out of practice, the more I wonder if they don't just put him on an injury list to start the year and give Reggie Gilliam basically a tryout. Like, okay, yeah. let's let's go here. Like, I think if you if you put him on active pup. Uh, DeMarco, he can return after six weeks. So you give six weeks to Gilliam and say, hey, this is your preseason, basically. Prove that you can make the team, and if that's the case, maybe then they move on from DeMarco. But kind of keep him as insurance in, the, in, the, in that case. So we'll see. I thought to, I thought Gilliam's had a really good, strong camp. Um, yeah. He had more opportunities early on. Um, he had a really good block in the scrimmage on Thursday that led to a big Zach Moss run. Um, but, you know, it's tougher for a fullback to make a lot of noise unless they're mm-hmm. making plays in the passing game, which he did early on. So, yeah. you know, it's something to watch, and I think that it's good that you have some competition because I know that 
Bills fans have been eager to get uh, to to run Patrick Demarco out of town. I know that <laughs> there's this thing about fullbacks, man. I, I get it, like I, especially when you want to keep all these receivers. But you got to remember too with the receiver thing, you can only have so many receivers in the field at one time. Like people love Isaiah McKenzie, they love Robert Foster, they love Duke Williams, and I get it. But let's be yeah. honest here. You know, Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown. They're going to get the lion's share of the work. I don't care if you keep exactly. Duke Williams or not. So there's just not the kind of snaps available to make those kind of guys, you know, factors. And so I think you can yeah. get away with it. And, you know, you just move on and you hope that they can maybe find some talent if, if, if another team scoops these guys up. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I like about Gillum is actually the fact that he is that hybrid. He can actually come out and play a bit of tight end. And obviously... If he did get it over to Marco, it's another little chess piece for for the ball to actually either check what the um, what coverage the um, the defense have, and maybe have um obviously have that extra receiver one that no obviously no disrespect to Demarco one that actually had some obviously tight end experience out in that um, field as another uh, as another weapon. Yeah, I mean that's he looked really good on the catch that he made. Uh, AJ Klein was in coverage. Um, but for sure, I, I think that for an offense that is proven to, to be open to throwing to the fullback, you definitely want one that has some pass-catching ability. And I think Gilliam, Gilliam probably would be one of the better weapons, offensive weapons in the league at that position uh, if he ends up making the team. So, yeah, great point. Yeah. And the, the final question um, is, well, it's a two-parter. Who, who, out veteran, young player, rookie, anything like that, has stood out really at training camp, and is there any any like big names or any names really you expect to be in the fifty three that's on the um on the roster bubble? Um, well, first of all, somebody that's kind of surprised. I mean, obviously, I think Gabriel Davis has surprised just in the sense of how how dynamic he's been and consistent he's been. Mm-hmm. But I think that you know. I'd probably want to mention Tyrell Dotson. Um, I, I had pretty high expectations for him going in, but I think that he's been really solid, and I think he's made a really strong case to be that fifth yeah. or sixth linebacker, depending on how many they keep. Um, he's played he's well. Tough. He he could play multiple positions. He's he's smart. He's quick. I think Leslie Fraser, even on the call on Friday, said Dotson's greatest strength is his his football IQ and how smart he is. So. Uh, he's somebody that's done good. I think somebody that's got to be on the bubble is Trent Murphy, just because how much money they save if they if they get him get rid of him. And they've done so much to add on the defensive line. I mean, you got Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, AJ Epinesa, who's you know first round level talent, uh, and then you got Daryl Daryl Johnson and Mike Love, who's been really good. Had a you know mm. uh, explosive two sack performance on Thursday. So uh, I think Trent Murphy, as much as they love him. You know, maybe they rework his deal and, and, and figure out a way to keep him on the roster. I don't know. But um, $8 million is a lot of money in a year where they're going to be counting every penny. Yeah. No. You, also Josh, you also mentioned Josh Norman is someone who doesn't look too hot right now. Yeah, he's been yeah. fine. Like, I, again, it's a tough environment. To, I thought where he's looked the worst has been in the one-on-one drills, and those are really, you know, one-on-one in an open field against an NFL receiver is you're probably going to get 
embarrassed most of the time because they just have so much room to work with. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. think even one play, Gabriel Davis, that one highlight, he beat Tredavious White down the field and made a catch in the end zone. So, you know, you could say that, you know, you could probably say something about Trey in that in that instance. But, no, I think he's been fine. It's just the injuries is, is what's the problem. And we're not mm-hmm. actually getting to see him in a game. And I think that Levi's been solid, as usual. Um, so I think that they go into this thing with Levi, depending on how quickly Josh can get back. I mean, we're now today's Sunday. We're two weeks away from the opener. And so that's, he's going to have to get a hamstring injuries are tough for skill position Mm -hmm. players. So, Mm uh, we'll see if he can get back maybe they slow play him, uh, put him, put him maybe on the active pop to start the year. If he needs a little bit more time And, and that might open up the door for a guy like Cam Lewis out of university of Buffalo, who's been really good all camp. Another guy that's got insane versatility can play, you know, in the slot can play outside. And that's, you know, something they, they said they liked about him coming out. So, um, yeah. yeah. And then you practice squad rules actually really help, obviously help this. So it's all, it's going to be, you know, people probably going to be um, upset. That's probably their favorites of actually um, will be cut or on the, um, on the bubble. As what you're saying earlier about the practice squad uh, rules this season, it actually gives Bean and McDermott a little bit more um, of chess piecing going on. It does and it doesn't. So, like, the one thing is, there's never going to be a time where your practice squad is fully protected. So, mm. anybody could poach your practice squad at any given time. And, you know, if you leave somebody, even if it's one of those four protected spots, they're not protected for, like, a good 40 hours there after game days. So, you know, I think that there's a misnomer out there that if you put a guy on a practice squad, you know, one of them can be protected if they're one of those four guys. Well, that's not necessarily the case. I think it could still be, you know, you can't – I don't think you could sit there and cut Trent Murphy or Josh Norman and put him on your practice squad and think they're not going to get poked. Although, yeah. with the feeling around the league on Josh Norman, who's to say that he, he can't do that because – Like, I think that a lot of people think that his best days are behind him. So, you know, a guy like that, I think you have a better chance at at being able to do that. But um, I just want to make it clear that even though there are some provisions in there and some protections in there, it's not like foolproof. Like, there's Mm, going to be times during a week where you can take somebody and you can bring them in. And if if a guy like a Duke Williams pops... You know, even in training camp, like let's look at the way that he's been written about all training camp again. He's been really good again because he's I've never seen a practice player that like excels in practice the way that Duke Williams does. I mean, mm-hmm. he's obviously had some good moments in games too, but he is an elite level player in practices. He just he makes plays that are just insane. Um he's made in the last year that I've watched him play, he's made more insane catches in practice than probably the collection of other receivers I've seen combined. He's just a great practice player. So, yeah. um, but I just want to make that clear because I think that people read or hear about those protections and think that it's like foolproof. It's not like they can definitely be poached though. That's true. Cool. Well, yeah. let's hope no other team's GM is listening. I doubt they are, but still. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if they do, we'll be doing something man. right. Those numbers up, you never know. Yeah. And actually, exactly, the story yeah. that my guy... Ryan put out recently on the site that Brandon said on Sirius radio, they're using, you know, Twitter and social media to monitor, you know, teams training camps. So mm-hmm. who's to say that they don't, they don't fa- come, come across the red, white and blue uh, pod <laughs> and uh, kind of get some, uh, some deets. 
<laughs> we'll be uh, we'll be happy not to tell him anything, but we'll be happy to <laughs> tell Bean everything. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But no, Matt, thank you very very much thank for you. um for appearing on the show again. For people, you got a new podcast you and Ryan do, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. If you want, um, we're going pretty hard right now during training camp because fans can't be there. So we decided to do daily uh, reaction observations podcast. So every day, like today, uh, we'll be out at the stadium, practice at 12.15. I'll write up my observations, head to uh, my home where we have to do everything these days, and then we will do our our reaction podcast and bring you everything, a little bit more detail on what happened in the practices. Yeah, and if people want to hear that, where where do they find you on that one? Yeah, it's uh, search uh, shout. Uh, Buffalo Bills podcast, uh, obviously uh, a play on the uh, the team's theme song, and I know that all Buffalo Bills fans love that love that song yep. whenever they hear it. And I actually hear it's in Madden this year. I, I saw that all right. that song is in Madden, which is pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, that's on. We're on all the platforms, uh, Apple, and the cool thing about our podcast is it's a video podcast almost entirely. So every yeah. time, if you want to watch it live with us and participate with us. You can watch it on YouTube, uh, search NYUP. You can search Bills on NYUP on uh, Facebook and watch it there or on my Twitter account, at Matt Perino. And we, uh, we go live every Wednesday night at 7.30 or 8 with our weekly, like, that's set in stone. And then we have our, our, a lot of our daily stuff that we do that's live as well. Awesome. That's great. I think most of the fans will probably, uh, especially in the UK, will be tuning into that a lot more to actually get as much training camp news as um as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah, I mean but, if they're if they're night owls, that's like midnight our time. <laughs> uh, but it's it's all good. Cool. Um, and say Matt, thank you very much for for coming on. To say it's probably the third third time I think you've been on, and every single time love chatting to you, getting to know a lot great more insight. about about yeah, great insights and a lot more about the bills and obviously. This year with training camp, um, it's it's been a really great, um, really great interview. We really thank you very much for uh, for coming on the show. Anytime you got, anytime guys, love uh, coming on with you guys, fun conversation, and uh, I hope you uh, enjoy the rest of uh, this camp, and hopefully your bills can get, get you guys some wins this year. Exactly, absolutely. Thank you. So Matt Perino, thank you very much for coming on the Red, White, and Buffalo Blues. And we thank Matt Perino there for that interview. Great interview from a from a great guy that we love having on the um on the show. So what I will say is actually that is the end of the show. I don't know about you, but I think that was actually really a uh, a really good good interview. If you want more, yeah. No, I mean <laughs> we covered we covered everything that I wanted to talk about, so it was great. And uh, you know, right, right at the end there, we talked about having him on when we uh, narrowed down the fifty-three man roster. So uh, expect some good insight in the future as well coming through. Exactly. So don't forget subscribe to this podcast. Please subscribe podcast channels. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I know Alex loves doing all the editing of all the. Uh, all the videos and I really watch. do. I, I love putting these things together. So, uh, you know, let's have some comments on there. Please subscribe, hit that like button. Um, you know, yeah. uh, let's, let's really build the UK bills. You know, we want to compete with the UK Falcons, the UK chiefs, uh, you know, so let's really get integrated here. Let's all get together and build this thing. So subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, all that go to, 
go to YouTube, so type in Buffalo Bills UK and actually hit the subscribe button. Like us on Twitter at, at UK underscore Bills and this podcast at RWBB underscore podcast. Follow us on Instagram at UK underscore Bills and obviously join the Facebook group. Just search Buffalo Bills UK and request that join. And for me, that is Alex. And all we'll say now is good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Thank you for listening and go Bills. Go Bills. Not us. Not Not us. us. You don't know anything about heart. You don't know anything about work. That's who we are. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills.